0: This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. My next guest advises that even though the world may seem like it's in a weird place, try and still be a positive force in it. And that is something that we should all strive for. Steven Friedmutter is CEO of FSF Ventures, who has been navigating the world of business and entrepreneurship for decades, donning many hats ranging from passionate startup investor to advisory board member and mentor to young founders. Stephen has dedicated himself to helping young companies and startups, especially on the African continent, and to empower female entrepreneurs in finding the right investment to take their vision forward. In this episode, we'll discuss what fuels him, the importance of investing, advising, and mentoring startup founders, his interest and involvement in the African tech startup ecosystem, his recent partnership with Launch Africa Ventures, and the most important pieces of advice for startup founders raising capital and growing a successful business. Stephen, welcome to the WTF Podcast.
1: Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation.
0: You are most welcome. So even though this is our first time meeting, we've been in connection. We follow each other on LinkedIn, And you are an investor in one, the company of one of the guests I had on, I believe in season three, Lucia Brawley. And I'm sure you're going to tell me about that, but let's start off by telling me what fuels you as a passionate investor in early stage startups, particularly women, and now in startups in Africa.
1: Great. Sure. Um. Well, I'll start with just telling a little bit about myself so it'll give a context for why I do what I do. Uh, I'm 67 years old. Uh, I'm a child of immigrants. I'm a first-generation American, uh, and I come from a group that's had a lot of troubles over over history. So uh, the way I see it is my place in the world is to stand with the people who don't have all the advantages in the world. And so I sort of started off uh, investing in female founders, and I got involved in two funds, Chloe Capital and Astia, and some companies through that. And that led me to AMP Global and Lucia and Derek, uh, and my focus in Africa. And so those two things, the female founders and African tech ecosystem, are the two places that got me excited. And, uh, you know, so the reasoning is a lot of, I'm 67, it's important for me to share what I have with the younger two generations. And in Africa, that's especially important because there isn't really a generation of my age in the business techie world. So I feel like I really have a unique spot in the African ecosystem and I've been welcomed, uh, ve- you know, very warmly and uh, very wholly. Uh, so so those are, that's sort of uh, the context with which uh, I got involved. The way I think of investing, because there's so many unlimited opportunities when you're on the side of the investor. Uh, before I did this, I came here through... Uh, I had a, I had an appointment for three years at Cornell University with all of their, uh, patents and tech to commercialize them. And I saw from doing that, it would be fun being on the other side, which was not looking for the money, but being the money. And so that's how, uh, how I did that. So in getting in, in being you know in africa especially and female founders there's so many worthy people with great ideas who are smart hardworking, and so for me i realized and i think many investors would say the same thing it's all about the people and so when i met for instance derek and lucia uh it was who they were that made me say, I'm going to stand with these people because I know that they're going to make something happen and they're not going to give up. Uh, And so those are, those are the journeys I take with people. I can only, you know, you can only support so many people financially and emotionally. And so it's all about who do I think is really, you know, somebody who's going to be worth the time and the money and, Uh, I'm going to feel connected to also like, you know, you just connect with different people. So who is your connection is part of it to find an investor and a founder who, you know, see eye to eye and are complimentary.
0: Steven, that's a great introduction to who you are, where you started, what fuels you, what got you into what you're doing now. And your relationship with Lucia and, and Derek of, um Global, but before we get there, let's go back a little bit to your time in Costa Rica, and what you learned from that, and how that impacted what you are doing now
1: Sure, um, I was fortunate enough to live in Costa Rica for ten years and do a lot of business there, and that was without a doubt the prelude to Africa. It has a lot of the similar similar type things um and so what i found was that i came to a small town in costa rica san ramon and i became an economic engine and um what i learned and what i learned and that really uh applies in africa as well is it's not about just giving people money um there's so much mentorship and uh, learning and and things that go along with it that if you just give somebody money or technology or you know something like that, it's really not enough. You have to give them yourself also. And so when I went to Costa Rica, I ended up staying ten years, and th- another thing about it was the way I feel felt in Costa Rica and why my thing was so successful and the same in Africa is i really want everyone to be successful you know sometimes people go in business and it just happened in costa rica quite a bit people would come and you know they were just kind of greedy scammers in a way who wanted to make for themselves but not for other people so for me the way i saw it was i had local people who didn't speak english and had never been on the internet because this was like 20 years ago uh i helped make them mo- so much money that they never could have seen. I had buyers from Europe, India, all over the world come who trusted me, who had opportunities because I did well for them. And then I did well for myself. So like all, all of the constituencies, and then we created a little economic engine in the whole city with construction workers and all that sort of stuff that goes with it, restaurants. uh, And so That's my that's that's part of the thing is to take a long view instead of like, how can I make the most money of deal number one? It's how do I become a certain kind of person that people want to include in the deals because you're honorable and that you want everyone to be successful? And so that was a lesson in Costa Rica that clearly applies in Africa as well.
0: Stephen, this might be a different perspective than most people who are in the VC or investment world where it's all about quick returns on your investment and how much you can get out of a deal and how quickly. Let's transition to talking about your relationship with Lucia and Derek. So I had Lucia on the podcast season two to talk about her fundraising journey with her and her husband, Derek, for AMP Global. And how when they relocated from the U.S. to Africa, how that actually opened up a world of investment opportunities into their business for them. And it would seem quite contrary to what one would think. So tell me about your relationship with them and how that has impacted your work that you are doing in the African tech sector now.
1: Sure. That's a great question. Um, First. They are my number one investment in terms of, you know, uh, they were my first African investment and they were one that I did outside of any funds I did. I started off investing in them all by myself. And so so just in that alone, uh, they were like my, my, my most, I'm most connected to them of all of my investments. Uh, now here's Stephen, a funny tell
0: me point. something. What yep. about Lucia and Derek and Aunt Global? made you want to invest in them okay, not in a fund but individually
1: individually okay so i met them in new york city uh derek was born in ghana and they were living in los angeles and they were in new york at a pres, pres- presenting for their company they were trying to raise their first million dollars and even though derek went to harvard and was you know brilliant and She went to Harvard and she also went to Yale. You know, they were perfect. But because, you know, the founders were both African and female, um, they were really struggling. So I met them at a presentation and I just decided on the spot that that these were the people that were going to be successful. So I became one of their earliest investors. So here I am, a guy from Ithaca, New York in New York City, investing in a guy from Ghana and a couple who lives in Los Angeles. I invest in them. And as I do, you know, we're struggling to get a lot of investors. But then we start getting in some African investors reach out to us. So I have these African investors calling me for due diligence, even though they're African, he's African. I gave them the go ahead that, yes, no, these people are really who they seem to be. They really are great. Because I think what happens a lot with female founders and African founders is even when they're impressive, investors think there must be some fatal flaw because they're a woman or they're African or whatever, they're young, they're this, they're that. Um,
0: Absolutely. Oh,
1: so, as a 67-year-old respected investor, African investors actually, you know, it helped that I got on the due diligence call. Then we had a bunch of African. But it's sad
0: that they needed that, right?
1: It's very sad, but it's over and over again. Um, Especially I find that with the, in female founders, just my, a lot of times, um, just my presence is helpful because when you're trying to get investors, once you have like the first, this is something I've talked about a number of times with people, the hardest ones are the first few investors. Like once you have a few investors that are respected, then it's easier to get more investors. But everybody thinks like, well, what if I'm the first one? And I and I, it seem they seem smart, but what if I was, you know, made a mistake? And so I, I have to reassure everybody that this uh, this woman or this African or whatever the thing about it. Uh, about this group that's you know asian uh hispanic um that they really are brilliant and they really are gonna be successful and and often it it's uh it's just that when people are ninety five percent sure they're gonna so now uh I'll just give you an amp global so the amp global african investors we got a whole bunch of African investors, and their only caveat was you have to move to Africa. So here's these couple who live in Los Angeles with two kids. We moved the company to Mauritius, an island in Africa, halfway between Africa and India. And then everything sort of took off. We've just gotten a billion media impressions and a $2 million investment from a more, you know, a substantial venture fund as well as I'm part of Launch Africa Ventures, who is also an investor. So we, uh, one of the differences in Africa that uh, is really different than the US is in the US when there's an investment opportunity, everybody like is competing with each other. Uh, most of my investments in Africa and why it's it's been really a lot of fun is all of my co-investors in AMP Global have now become my friends and partners in other deals and that um, it seems like in the African opportunities to be successful, it works better to have a uh, three or four different of us invested together because we all have different contacts, strengths, uh, talent, whatever connections. So it's really cool in Africa that when it comes, you're not competing with other companies. Often you often want to include uh the people you like, because we're going to have a better chance of a faster success if we all get in this together. And so, uh, Amp Global and Derek and Lucia were the perfect things of hilarious thing of people who went to Harvard, who are brilliant, who are beautiful, who are talented. And we have a television show that's, uh, we're going to have a new season starting in Africa that's sponsored by MTM and uh, other phone companies. And so, uh, We're discovering uh, African talent and youth. And so uh, they are, I I have a lot of other uh, companies I'm involved with, but they are my number one, uh, you know, love, I guess you'd say.
0: So for the listeners, if you want a little bit more information about Hunt Global and make sure you check out season three, episode two with Lucia Brawley, who is one of the co-founders along with her husband, Derek Ashang. And to learn more about AMP Global and their program, Take Back the Mic, I am speaking with Steven Freidmutter, CEO of SF Ventures, startup investor, advisor, and mentor to young founders. Stephen, now we know how you transitioned into the African market through your relationship and your investment with Lucia and Derek of AMP Global. Tell me about your recent partnership with Launch Africa Ventures.
1: Sure. So here I am investing in companies one by one in Africa. So I meet them, then I have another company in Ivory Coast, Digitech, who's in the insurance industry. And uh I realize there's people. So then I met Zachariah George, who was also one of the investors in Launch in in um in AMP Global. Uh, I, I met him. He's, uh, he's based in Cape Town and has a group of 11 who are finding who we are the most active early stage African investment company. And so I just was fortunate. Like I said before, here's the, my co-investor. He's 40 years old, brilliant and just full of energy. So, uh, I, I decided that. As well as doing my own thing, it made sense to be part of launch because uh, what we've done is amazing. Uh, Zach and team, uh, we've invested in over 100 startups in 20 plus African countries. That is prolific. I mean, that's like uh, there's no way any individual could do that. So it's been really great being part of the launch team and as it turned out like when i when i first met them when i first invested with amp i think uh zach was trying to raise like 10 million dollars uh to invest in early african companies because that was a big uh it was an exotic thing well he tried to raise 10 million he ended up raising 35 million and ended up you know with these 100 plus investments and we are you know, clearly the number one venture fund for early stage in Africa and a lot of other investors love to partner with us. So I've met a lot of other investors as, you know, we've all partnered on similar deals. The other thing that's that's happened that's been awesome is um, I get sometimes, you know, of the hundred CEOs, I can't get to know all of them, but you know, a handful of them have reached out to me knowing I'm part of launch and asked me to just be a personal mentor to them. So, uh, I have Mark in Cairo who I speak to every week. Uh, he's one of our investments and, uh, you know, he, he, we've gotten to know each other so well that it's beyond just how about making money where he thinks of me as his grandfather and, uh, you know, we're like family and, you know just really care about each other and we want to make a lot of money together and be successful yeah so that- the way
0: you operate in how you do what you do is to move from beyond transactional relationships to more transformational relationships that are authentic and based on mutual benefit
1: yeah i mean that's the you know at this point of my life and, you know, like I said before, you know, I'm a, I'm a little older, especially in the African, which is the youngest place in the, on the planet is Africa. And so I feel like I have a lot to offer. And what's been great is the people who feel like they need me seem to find me. So I, I have, you know, like I say, like uh, I have so many people reach out, but there's a handful where it becomes like Derek and Lucia and you know Zach and other people who it just becomes obvious that our connection is we're gonna be successful together, but that's not enough. Like we we have so much more that this is gonna be about. And you know, part of mentoring young founders and it's not just about the financial part. It's how do you carry yourself, and so a lot of it is young people just. You know, wanting to learn about, you know, how to act and how to make decisions and how to talk to other people and how to treat. One of the biggest ones and one of the biggest challenges for every founder is as your employee count rises and as you have more people to deal with, all of a sudden you're running
0: people. You're in a different game. You're in a different game. And a lot of them don't know how to make that bend from initial founder of one or two or a few to onboarding staff and leading from the top. Right. absolutely
1: very important.
0: Very important piece that a lot of early stage startup founders need as they start to chart the path to their growth of their company. Stephen, be careful because. Maybe people listening to this podcast, hearing about the type of mentor you are, you might get your LinkedIn inbox flooded (laughs) with requests for mentorship after this. But we're getting ready to start concluding. And I know you have some things you want to share. But before we get to that, I have one final question. What are three to five most important pieces, pieces of advice that you would give to startup founders about raising capital and growing a successful business? Okay.
1: So there's the a couple of things. The first thing to know is as I said before, it's all about the people. So as much as you you have to have a great idea and a great business plan and to show people how it's going to be successful, they're also betting on you. And so it's very important that it's not just, you know, here's this idea, but it's like there's going to be times where it's going to hit a brick wall and I'm I'm still have my money invested in you. And so um, to know that, that it's, it's, it's really people. So people back other people as much as they back ideas, because there's often lots of great ideas. Another thing is uh, it's really important for, as an investor to see that I'm I'm investing in somebody who's not going to give up. Like I, I'm a child of immigrants and I tend to invest in people who this opportunity really means something. And I know that they know what it's like to uh, survive and to, you know, overcome obstacles. So I sort of like people who oh, I think I think investors like to see people who have overcome a few obstacles in their life because that is going to be part of this journey. Um
0: And when we're talking about African entrepreneurs, those are some of the most resilient people in the world because they're operating in an environment that is filled with so much risk, so much volatility, and still they're finding ways to thrive. So when you talk about resilience, they are the hallmarks of resilience.
1: Exactly. You You know, when you're in Africa, the things that the way people can use, let's say, if we're talking about an amount of money, yeah i mean they're so much more used to using the money more wisely and you know you know being creative with it whereas here in the united states sometimes people have too much money and so you know they're only good because they have so much money to throw around and when they have to and so i'm somebody who's generally not done it that way i've I've, i'm more in the african model where you you know you, you think your way through it and you you start from and so um I think and i think um i think you want to show how this is really gonna how you're really solving a problem and that and that all the different aspects of the market are going to benefit because you really want you want to show how the investor is going to benefit as well as you the founder as well as the clients customers public um and so i think i think people sometimes get unidirectional sometimes about you know we're just going to talk about how we make money but we're not going to you know show how the market is going to accept us and why we're better than you know all that sort of stuff so those are a couple of the things that uh that are really you know when you when you when you're doing a startup and you're getting funding you have to be resilient and you have to be you have to be powerful even when deep down, sometimes, you know, you're losing, you know, you're losing your cool. And that's why having, having someone to talk to is good, because everybody needs, like a lot of what I do for my founders is just sometimes they just call me because they just need a confidence boost. Uh, and that's great. I can give that to them. And as I rather do that before they make an important business call, than after they do it, and don't sound at their best.
0: Stephen, thank you so much for those pieces of advice, and I hope that those listening who are in a similar position will take those advice uh, pieces of advice and hopefully find a mentor if you don't have one, who in those moments can give you those confidence boosts when you need it. Because it's a long journey, and it's pits and you know it's valleys and and, and highs. So it's not a linear journey, and those. Feelings of highs and lows are normal. So just recognize that that is so and have someone to talk to during those moments to help usher or sharper you through those moments. Stephen, as we conclude, are there any additional things that you'd like to talk about or share with the audience?
1: Sure. Well, as it turns out, the last two months have been my most prolific time. So there's all kinds of things I've been getting involved with Uh, that we didn't discuss yet that are very exciting for me. So I'll just list a few of them. Um, I was invited to join an advisory board for Entrepreneurship Village in Nigeria, which is uh, a huge project trying to build like a Silicon Valley in Africa, in Nigeria. And they have the land. I was actually voted... The chairman of the advisory board we just had our first meeting so you'll hear about that um, I'm working with uh, this is up your alley Michelle of agriculture because Africa it's a whole other part of Africa we talk about tech but so much is feeding people so I'm working with an Israeli company and Rwanda to help small farmers in Africa grow organically and be able to export uh, a quality that they don't have right now. And so in Israel, they've already invented that 50, 60 years ago. And so uh, I'm working with a a doctor and a founder, a PhD agriculture person. And we're, we're, we're in the, we're in the process of kind of trying to set up, uh, places in Africa, in Rwanda, to start with, and to not only bring the technology and an investment, but a business model and the uh, a business model and and also boots on the ground to show that you know, for instance, mangoes, how to do it, so we could export them to Africa, and so African export them to Europe, so African farmers could raise their standard of living, you know, by a lot. I'm also yeah, there's a
0: lot. There's a lot that still needs to be done in that space. So I'm
1: going to talk to you about that after the, after the podcast, I, I yes, realized. got to come back. <laughs> before, something you and I could talk about this agriculture project. Um, yes. I'm also working with uh, uh, a partner. I met Sahil in Cape Town who uh, we were going to meet in Nairobi, but we ended up not being able to meet there, but we have some exciting uh, things we have going Um I've made a recent investment in a company, Box Commerce, who is uh, like the Shopify. You know, Shopify. You see their commercials in the U.S. So we are the Shopify of Africa to help small and medium enterprises, uh, you know, uh, get get up to the modern times and be able to provide all kinds of different techie services. So we're a package all in one, like Shopify is. Uh, box commerce and, uh, the founder Craig, who's become a real close friend. Uh, he's, he's from Johannesburg, but the company is launching in, in Kenya as we speak. So, uh, they're going all across Kenya now. And so those are some, uh, those are all projects that I've start, that I've gotten involved with in the last three months or so. And they're all, I guess I'd say I'm thinking of them as like legacy projects where, you know, i really I really see a lot of these as bigger than me, and so I hope that uh you know they just keep growing and and part of this is you know the the founders that i help here's the idea of of our African model is we invest in a hundred startups from launch Africa ventures well, those people hopefully become successful and create a lot of jobs, and then some of those people start other companies as well. And so um, you know, there's one organization I, I'm involved with, Empower Africa, and one of their slogans is trade, not aid. And everybody I've met in Africa.
0: Hey, man, is, to like, that.
1: is somehow the aid gets, I don't know, it just doesn't quite make it to the right people or something like that. So there's no substitute for creating good jobs and a future for young people and you know, there's nothing better than that because that could be sustainable. And also the other part would be for Africa not to become a place where people come for just raw materials, but uh, we were talking earlier to to actually, to actually, and this is what the agriculture product, to bring the know-how to do the value added to it. So we're not always dealing with commodities, but like, for instance, like coffee is one, uh, just from my Costa Rica days, you know, like, to come and just buy the finest coffee, but then have an American or European company put their trademark on it and make all the money while the other gets, you know, a dollar a pound for the coffee or two dollars, you know, doesn't make Stephen, any sense. We might
0: have to have a part two to this conversation yeah, that is exactly. focused on on some of these issues. I just really want to thank you, though, for stopping by and sharing your story as an investor and as an entrepreneur And what you are doing in the African ecosystem, how you're supporting female founders and founders on the African continent and your approach to investment and looking at it from a more transformational point of view. And I think there's a lot of value to that and more people could follow that lead in terms of their approach to investment and and seeing things on the continent. So Stephen, thank you so much for stopping by. And to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I always say don't keep good content to yourself and Stephen just brought a whole lot of good content. So let me know if you like it by rating, reviewing, leaving um, a review and share this episode with others who need to hear it. New episodes of the podcast stream on Fridays on the Alive podcast network so make sure that you are subscribed the podcast is available on most major podcast streaming platforms to be a guest or sponsor the podcast email me at where's at gmail.com follow the podcast on instagram at where's the underscore podcast and on its linkedin page where's the funding and follow me your host on linkedin michelle j mckenzie join me next friday for another episode